Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, brothers and sisters. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. Welcome to our time of prayer. Welcome to our time of delving into the Word of God. We welcome also your prayer intentions if you want to leave them in the comments. Let's all pray for one another. Let's put ourselves in the Lord's presence and be nourished now by His Word of life on this, which is a very much a day of life. Having been in Washington for the March for Life yesterday, I'm in San Francisco today with uh, the Walk for Life West Coast, helping to lead various events, and I hope you'll tune in during the course of the day on these platforms and on all my social media at FR Frank Pavone for updates as pro-lifers gather from across the country to rally uh, ourselves and to uh, encourage one another in this great cause of life. Let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your example. Thank you for the full, total, uh, unwavering, and unlimited devotion and love you pour out in your being, your love for the Father, your love for us. Uh, may May we drink of it. May we experience that in our own lives. May we model our lives more and more after after you. Thank you for the passion that you give us to serve you, the passion that first of all makes us run to the repentance of our sins and then, Lord, to embrace the life of holiness, but let us pursue it with zeal. Let nothing hinder us, let nothing quiet us down uh, or, or, or make us in any way diminish our uh, eagerness to follow you. We turn to you, Lord God, And we bless you. Thank you for saving us, you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Our reading today is taken from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus came with his disciples into the house. Again, the crowd gathered, making it impossible for them even to eat. When his relatives heard of this, they set out to seize him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Well, that short gospel passage uh, I like very much because uh, well, I know in my case, and I know for many of us who are in the pro-life movement, who, who serve the Lord with, uh, with the zeal that we, we seek to uh, obtain from Him, may as well say the same thing about us. We're in good company. If they say to you, you're crazy, you're out of your mind. Maybe they say you're out of your mind for believing the kind of things we believe. Well, on a human level... It is unbelievable. God became a man, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and he's going to come back on the clouds to judge the living and the dead. We're going to live forever. We're going to rise from the grave. You know, we're used to having grown up with the Christian faith in most cases, uh, hearing these things and talking about and believing and proclaiming these things. But someone who's never heard them before, I mean, just think about what it's like for somebody who's never heard the slightest thing about Christianity doesn't even know the name of Christ, never heard of the gospel. And they walk into a church and they see a, a, a statue of a man nailed to the cross. And they see, see people bowing in front of it. I mean, honestly, it, it, it looks strange to them. 
and, uh, or, or people who hear us say uh, he's going to give us his flesh to eat. We eat his body and drink his blood. That's why the early Christians were called cannibals because they, 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 people heard them talking about eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Christ. They, 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 they thought the early Christians were cannibals. Again, this was a world that had never heard the gospel, didn't know anything about these teachings. You know what they also said of the early Christians? That they were, uh, they were uh, uh, um, what, what do you call it, uh, pyromaniacs. Uh, uh, they were arsonists because it was like they talked about sending down the fire of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting that the, the, the song, um, uh, Come Holy Spirit, uh, let the fire fall is the name of the song. And uh, there's a verse in there, uh, Holy Spirit, set the church on fire. And again, if you put yourself out of the familiar context uh, that we all live in with the gospel and hearing uh, these, uh, uh, the way the, lang- the Christian language, the biblical language that we use, try to put yourself in the mindset of someone who's never heard any of this before. And they see Christians uh, walking into a church Holy Spirit, set the church on fire. They're going to say these people are arsonists. And so you, th- you see the pa- passage like this, and they say that Jesus is out of his mind. They actually should say the same thing about us. Our mind should be completely the opposite of the mind of the world. Living the Beatitudes turns the thinking of this world upside down. For one who does not have the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, by the way, help us see things from God's perspective. That's one of the key things that the gifts of the Spirit do to us. They help us to see things from God's perspective and to understand not only the truths of our faith, but everything around us in the world and the value of human life. It's because of the gifts of the Spirit that it makes sense that yesterday and today, on both coasts, you see tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people marching for the tiniest little babies that they've never seen and have never met. What drives people to do this? And for those that don't understand, they're going to say, they are out of their mind. So, People might think we're out of our minds because of the things we believe. They may think we're out of our minds because of the moral standards that we say we accept. The moral standards that the Gospels and the teaching of the church lay out are by human standards alone impossible to achieve. Forgive your enemies constantly, for one thing. Prefer God even to your spouse or parents or children. Renounce all your possessions. I mean, what... People are going to say, you're out of your mind. The teaching on human sexuality, are we going to, he who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery. And these are high standards. Respect life at every stage, in every way, no matter what. They are out of their minds. Because we have the mind of Christ. People better be saying this of us. If we have the mind of Christ, and they said it of him. Brothers and sisters, there's another reason why people should say we're out of our minds. Not only because we completely oppose the ways of the world that they might be very used to uh, accepting in their lives, 
or that we see good where many miss it, such as in the life of an unborn child, or we see evil where many miss it in the various abuses of human sexuality or the abuses of justice. Brothers and sisters, there's another reason. And it's simply the zeal, the passion, the drive. Now we can think of this just on a natural level and then also on a supernatural level. In a sense, we've already talked about the supernatural level. I mean, when the Spirit of God fills us, we change. All right, We don't get just a portion of the Spirit, a fraction of the Spirit, a shadow or an echo of the Spirit. We get the full Spirit. When we're baptized, when we're confirmed, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Pentecost happens to us. We may not see the tongues of flame, but it is not any less of the power of the Holy Spirit coming on you and me than came on those apostles at Pentecost. We get the fullness. So in the supernatural sense, we get taken above and beyond our human minds. But just on a natural level, think of it this way. You ever work for a highly successful person? There's something that is similar about everyone who is at the top of a winning sports team, at the top of a winning, I'm talking about number one, business, who is at the top of a, of a winning movement, they're driven. They're driven. They're passionate. Somebody who's an expert, you know, you want to be the best tennis player in the world, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to be obsessed with it. He is out of his mind. The people are going to have to say to you, you're out of your mind. It's too much with this. Too much with the tennis. Yeah, you know what? If you're going to be the best tennis player in the world, it has to be too much with you. Now, you can get along. You can learn tennis. I even took some tennis lessons uh, as, as a young boy one time. I remember I enjoyed it. But I haven't done anything with it since. You want to be the best tennis player in the world, you've got to be obsessed with it. You can achieve anything to the extent that you're willing to sacrifice everything else. Now, sometimes you shouldn't sacrifice certain things, and that's where everybody has to discern his or her vocation, right? What is it that God really does want me to do? But if God is calling you to be the best in the world at something, you have got to be immersed in that 24-7. I mean, that's your driving path. You can't just be interested in it. You've got to be absolutely, completely passionate about it and totally immersed in it and willing to sacrifice everything else. This is why they said Jesus is out of his mind. His meat, was to, his food was to do the will of the Father. He was passionately focused on the mission of salvation. Pre, remember, they wanted him to stay in one town. He said, let's keep going. I must go to the other towns and preach. And here you have this situation where the whole town is gathering at the door. And they, don't even, they can't even eat. They can't even eat. Jesus doesn't say, oh, send the crowds away. Uh, 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 never, never mind, this is getting to be too much. So a person who's, who's passionate about something, and they immerse themselves in something. You know, a, a person who's at the top of, again, whatever it is that they're heading up, a sports team, a business, an organization, a ministry. You want to be number one? You can get to the point of being number one, and then the challenge becomes staying number one. You have got to be relentless. Now, many people who work for people like this are, say the same thing. He's out of his mind. Handel, when he wrote The Messiah, this is this an example? I mean, what, what piece of musical composition 
is as great as Messiah, right? With the hallelujah chorus, with unto us a child is born, with the amen chorus. You know, he wrote that in 24 days. It was like it went into a frenzy, a holy frenzy. He was writing from morning to night, hardly ate or slept more than three weeks. But it was, see, the intensity of that is what I'm getting at. That's, a, that's a, 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 an object lesson. The intensity of his immersion in the, the inspiration, the focus, the intensity of writing Messiah is a symbol of the kind of intensity and focus that we need to have for what it is that God has called us to do in our vocation. Now, you know, I'm not saying here do not take care of yourself. No, I'm saying do everything with prudence and keeping all your obligations in mind, your obligation to your health, eat, sleep, exercise, be attentive to the relationships that you have uh, responsibility for in your life, etc. But what I am saying too is that what it is that God has given us to do requires, if we're going to be successful at it, don't just maintain. I mean, you can be in the game. You can be doing all right at whatever it is that you do. But don't be mediocre at it. Don't settle for just all right. Aim for being the best. Aim for achieving the most. But again, always with, I mean, this is where we can't just be our own guide. We have to be accountable to others around us. Let your friends and let your spiritual guides guide you. But don't let them do the following. Don't let them dampen your zeal. See, sometimes people come along, especially if we're younger or we're newer at something. Sure, we need guidance. We need to have enough wisdom and humility to take the advice of those who have more experience. But be careful of the one who's going to come along, put his arm around you, pat you on the back and say, hey, you know, I understand you're you're new at this. You're young. You're zealous. You know, you got to tamper it down a little bit. Tamper down your enthusiasm. You know, you can't change the world. I remember a priest, I won't, I won't name him, but after I gave my first sermon uh, on my, at the day of my first Mass, the day after my ordination, I preached my own sermon. Most priests have somebody else do the preaching. And uh, it was a 32-minute homily, and it was pretty uh, vigorous and uh, one priest said, well, you know, don't be, uh, don't be disappointed if you didn't convert the world with that sermon. And I kind of laughed at that, and I understand the, the, the sentiment, of course. But at the same time, there's a little bit something in there that, 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 that raises a red flag for me. And this is what I want to warn you about. It may be someone who is in your, your line of work, is more experienced. Again, we give due deference. We, we can learn from everybody, even from somebody who has less experience. But listen, don't let them dampen your zeal. You know, sometimes you might be the one that has the insight that's better than the experienced person. Sometimes you might be the one who has even more drive and determination and will succeed even more at what you're doing than the person who's been doing it a long time before you. Don't doubt that. That's not a lack of humility. Focus on the gifts God gives you because at the judgment, we're not going to have to answer for the gifts God did or didn't give to someone else. The person who puts their arm around us and tells us to tone it down a little bit. No, maybe we got to tone it up. Maybe we got to put our arms around them and say, no, 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 you got to tone it up. 
We're not going to be judged on what God gave that other person, what insights he did or didn't give them, what courage he did or didn't give them, what drive he did or didn't give them. Maybe they're not saying to him, you're out of your mind, they're saying it to you. Maybe that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. God wants you to be a John the Baptist, proclaim that word. God wants you to be like St. Paul. He said the same thing about him. He's nuts. Brothers and sisters, we have to be sane, prudent and wise, responsible and, and, and considerate. But all of that is very compatible with a drive and a zeal that puts us at number one, keeps us there. I'm not talking about earthly ambition. I'm talking about the fulfillment of God's calling on your life. I'm talking about spiritual ambition in a holy and proper way, just like with Jesus. Oh yes, that's compatible with all the rest of the bundle of virtues we need to exercise. And this is the same way in the pro-life movement today. We've got people gathering as they gathered yesterday in Washington and I was leading various events as I'm leading events on the West Coast today. These are people who are sacrificing, some of them sacrificing everything. We've got people in prison sacrificing their freedom, not for doing violence, but for loving these babies. We've got to proclaim this message from the rooftops. We've got to do more than we did yesterday. Don't let anybody lessen your idealism, enthusiasm, and zeal. They may say we're out of our minds. We will say we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Father, give us the mind of Christ. Let us bring every thought into captivity to Him. Let us love You, Lord God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. Give us a divine zeal that only grows each day. Make us humble enough to take the advice of wisdom and experience from others, but make us faithful enough to receive and nurture the zeal we get from you, because that is what you will judge us on, what you gave us, not what you did or didn't give someone else. Bless us now, Lord, as we pray for one another. We lift up all the intentions that have been expressed and those that remain in our hearts. We care about one another. Give us provision where provision is needed, whatever the need may be. Bless our leaders, bless our nation in this election, bless all those who are marching yesterday, today, and at various other marches throughout the year. Bless us now, Lord, and fan the flames, and may we fan the flames in one another of the zealous fulfillment of our mission. And we pray now as Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, 
and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Friends, wonderful events in these days. It's been great so far. It's going to be great today. Follow the events on these channels and on my, all my social media, at FR Frank Pavone. And let's keep inspiring one another for the work that remains to be done to protect our unborn brothers and sisters. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that. And today, I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.